0: So, don't you love that Haftorah portion today? That's one of my favorite passages. That when sometimes when I'm asked to uh, go to a church and just give a message on from the Tanakh, you know, I try to find something that is um, that that is meaningful, so that uh, the people that are there can say, "Wow, I really got a lot out of that." You know, not just some uh, something educational. Uh, but also uh, uh, something to be able to relate to. Uh, You know, so uh, I'm just going to mention it because uh, why not? Okay, so in uh, Zechariah, this is is not the message, but you're saying, oh, no, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Okay, so this Joshua, you know, that's not the Joshua of the book of Joshua, right? It's, It's a different Joshua. It was a famous name, right? A lot of people had it. All right, Uh, and and so when it says here, just at the uh, beginning, it says, Then he showed me Joshua with a high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Right, this is in chapter 3 and verse 1 of Zechariah. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. And then, then just uh, in the beginning of verse 5, it says, Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. What a great uh, passage. Of course, it's talking about Israel after the captivity, that God has not forsaken his people. But... What a great application we can make uh, about ourselves, a brand plucked from the fire. You know, um, uh, all of us, uh, you know, it says in the book of Romans, it says in chapter 5, while we were yet enemies, you know, uh, uh, the Messiah came for us. While we were helpless, it says again in in Romans chapter 5, you know. uh, And so we're all like a brand plucked from the fire, like pulled out right? It sounds like a Jonathan Edwards sermon right there, doesn't it? But anyway, we're pulled out out of the fire. God loves us that much. We were headed that direction, but he pulls us out. And then not only does he pull us out, but here is the thing. He, it says, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. And he says, remove the filthy garments. I have taken away your iniquity and will clothe you with festal robes, right? He changes our clothes. He changes our clothes. We no longer are wearing the filthy garments. He puts on clean clothes. It's important to get rid of the old clothes and put on the new clothes. That's who we are in the Lord, you know? Because our iniquity has been removed. And of course, I, could, I won't, but... I could go on to say, in the New Covenant, you read a lot about putting off and putting on, put off the old, put on the new, you know, and sometimes it's even literal that, you know, I've come out of the darkness and into the light, I'm going to live like a a person in the light, and I'm going to look like a person in the light, you you know, and so it's a very powerful passage, that Zechariah chapter 3. You know, Israel. When Israel returned from the uh, captivity, they were not—they were different, but not that much different than they were before. Uh, you know, they still had a lot of issues in their lives. It was—it was a struggle, right? It was a struggle to rebuild the temples, a struggle to rebuild Jerusalem. It was a struggle to stay pure. Uh, you can read the history; it's not so great. But they never stopped being uh, the chosen people. You see. They were a brand plucked from the fire, just like you and me. What, what, a, great, what a great message. Well, speaking of struggling, gosh, we're saying, wow, this is going to be a downer. In, uh, we're back in Genesis, okay? In Genesis chapter 25, now we are up to Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. This is a great story. Mostly because most people get it wrong. And our goal is to actually see what's going on in the text. (laughs) Okay. So I got all kinds of material here. But anyway, you know the conventional wisdom on Jacob and Esau. You know, you, you know it, right? Jacob the supplanter. Jacob the schemer. Jacob the deceiver. You know, and, and then at some point he comes, he has uh, an epiphany and he com- becomes a believer. Uh, and then he goes, and then God gives it to him like in spades, right? With Laban. And he's going to suffer for all those years because of what he did before, you know, uh, and all that. Well, let me suggest that's not what happens here, <laughs> okay? Uh, the story of Jacob and Esau is a powerful story about the history, not only of Jacob and Esau, but of Israel and the nations, but also uh, we can relate to this tremendously. Uh, Jacob is a hero. Jacob uh, is, is sort of like the everyman of, of the scriptures. He's like the everyman of, of one of us. He, he, he is a per- he's chosen right? He's one of the forefathers of Israel, I- Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, uh, if there was, um, if, uh, you know, if there was a Mount Rushmore for the uh, patriarchs of Israel, he would have been there uh, in the center field of Yankee Stadium. You know, there's... Never mind. But, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Jacob is a patriarch. Jacob is a hero, right? How could it be then that he's such a schemer and 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 what about everything that happens uh, in his life? Well, we're going to take uh, we're going to take a good look at it. So let's jump right in to uh, verse nineteen of genesis twenty five. Verse nineteen of genesis twenty five. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac. Abraham's son, Isaac, Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah. The daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife, and Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. So there you go. I, you see here, I. This is the. This is a genealogy, and the book of Genesis is a genealogy with historical stories about people in the genealogy. It's a a genealogy. You're going to see the same thing at the beginning of chapter 37, which is the Joseph story. These are the generations of Jacob, right? And then you have Joseph was 17 years old and so on and so forth. So here, this is the Jacob and Esau story, uh, but it is in the context of this is about Abraham's descendants. And the promise that God made to Abraham's descendants. Uh, very important, okay? Uh, and then you see, just like Sarah, uh, Rebekah was barren, right? So that means that the birth of Isaac uh, and the birth of Jacob both uh, come uh, as miracles, uh, as uh, unnatural uh, events or supernatural events above nature. Uh, uh, events right now. What's interesting here is you don't see a whole story of uh, getting an Egyptian maid and uh, you know and, and anything like that. Here, what's interesting is that the two children actually belong to Rebecca. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Be- belong to Rebecca and uh, and Isaac. All right, both of them, Jacob and Esau. All right, so that's pretty important. But the children. "...struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then, why then am I this way?" So she's having a difficult pregnancy. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and she's saying, why is this happening, Lord? What's happening? Right? She's crying out to God. She's having a difficult pregnancy. And then we see here, "...so she went in to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb." And two peoples shall be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. Okay, so this is really important information uh, that Rebecca gets. And us too, the reader. You know what we don't know? We don't know what Isaac knows. We never know, actually, in this text whether Isaac uh, is aware of it or not. And what I love is that if we were sitting around the Torah study table, we'd spend a half an hour trying to figure out what the Bible doesn't tell us. Right? Yeah. So let's stick with what it does say. All right? All right. So two nations shall be in your womb. It tells us right away that this is not just a story about Jacob and Esau. You know, this is very important information. It's not just the Sunday school story of Jacob and Esau. It's about Israel and Edom, or one could say Israel and the nations, but fine, Israel and Edom, which actually is a very interesting and important history. All right, uh, and so uh, we see that there will be struggle, right? The children struggled. That's a very important thing not to pass over in the text. The children struggled in the womb. This uh, is very important for us in understanding the destiny of. Of Israel even later on in the biblical record all right the children struggled in the womb they're going to struggle forever right they're fighting in the womb Uh, two nations shall be separated from your body then one shall be stronger than the other right so we see that this is not about the unity of the two sons but somewhat of a, a disunity of these two sons one will be stronger than the other And then, of course, the older shall serve the younger. Now, this is important because it goes against the culture, way way against the culture of the day. God God is choosing the younger here. All right? God is choosing the younger. We see that there are two nations in the womb and that they're going to struggle. Now... We need to understand uh, a little something about these nations. So the name of uh, Esau's descendants are the Edomites, Edom. Okay. We read about the Edomites in a lot of uh, in a lot of different places. Okay, and we read about them all the way from almost uh, our Torah portion. It'll be at a couple of weeks. We'll we'll read about the Edomites in Numbers. The book of Numbers, uh, chapter uh, twenty, we read about the Edomites. Remember, they make the way difficult for the children of Israel. We read in verse uh, fourteen from Kadesh, Moses sent messengers to the king of Edom. Thus, your brother Edom, thus your brother Israel, has said, "You know all the hardship that has befallen us." Uh, that our fathers went down to Egypt and we stayed in Egypt a long time. The Egyptians treated us uh, and our fathers badly. But when we cried to the Lord, we heard our voice and sent an angel uh, and brought us out of Egypt. Now behold, we are at Kadesh, a town at the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your land. We shall not pass through field or through vineyard. We shall not even drink water from a well. We We won't do anything. We just want to pass through. Okay? So, Edom, however, said to him, you shall not pass through us, lest I come out with sword against you. And the passage goes on. The Edomites uh, will not let them pass through. The Edomites are a continual thorn in the side of, uh, of Israel. Then in chapter 24, kind, something kind of interesting of numbers. It's in a messianic prophecy. Okay, In, chapter, in verses 17 and 18. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir, its enemies, also shall be a possession. The older shall serve the younger. All right? Uh, In Isaiah chapter 11 we read about uh, Edom as well. In Isaiah 11, in verses 13 and 14. Then the jealousy of Ephraim will depart, and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. And they will swoop down uh, on the slopes of the Philistines on the west. Together they will plunder the sons of the east. They will possess Edom and Moab. They will possess them. Again, the older shall serve the younger. And then, uh, you know, the most most famous uh, prophet, Obadiah. The whole thing is about a judgment on Edom. Okay? Uh, And so we see that Jacob and Esau all the way through. And then, of course, in Malachi, uh, you know, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. You read read that as well. Uh, And uh, so clearly... This issue of the two nations uh, in the womb, uh, we see all the way through Scripture, and I would suggest even to this uh, very day, because you know the descend. We don't know who the descendants of the Edomites are, but you know the Edomites, the Moabites, uh, all of those uh, groups are you know in the Middle East, in those lands uh, surrounding Eretz Yisrael to the uh, east. To the east of them, uh, in between the uh, Mesopotamia and Eretz Israel, would be the lands of these nations. Okay, so uh, you know that is uh, that is very important. So we see that here, and we see the calling of the younger, uh, the calling of the younger son. So and therefore, in everything, this should color everything that we read about Jacob and Esau in their whole lives. That from the get-go. The younger son is the chosen one, and he is the one uh, whom uh, God uh, obviously has a special blessing upon. He is the one who is going to advance the covenant. Uh, He is the one through whom the Messiah will come. So that should uh, uh, help us a little bit in understanding Jacob and Esau, at least in what Rebecca knows, okay? All right. Uh, now, of course, there's a lot more to say uh, about that. There's a theme, the older shall serve the younger all the way through, right? You see it with Joseph uh, tremendously. His his older brothers serve him, right, quite clearly. Uh, we see issues of sibling rivalry here. Uh, we see all kinds of issues of um of uh, sin and then uh, reconciliation, of breakage of relationship and reconciliation. It's another big theme that we'll see with uh, Jacob and Esau, as well as Joseph and his brothers, as well as we saw with uh, Isaac and Ishmael. Uh, You know, very important, the issue of reconciliation. It's another big theme in Genesis, all, you know, pointing forward. All right, okay. So, but let's go on here. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and so they named him Esau. And afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was 60 years old when he gave birth to them. Okay. You know, Abraham is still alive, by the way, if you do the math. Abraham is still alive. We don't read about him here, but... It's kind of interesting. Just now, the names. The names. Okay, so notice that Esau is, has his name because of what he looked like. It's not some major uh, etymological uh, meaning to this. You know what that means, etymological? That means, like, if you go back and you look back, even before this period of time, what the name actually meant, it's irrelevant here. Okay. Uh, he looked red, so they named him Esau. Okay? Remember that. Because it says in the next verse, and afterward his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. It is a play on words to the word heel. Okay? Now I know you're thinking, but the Bible says Jacob is a supplanter. The Bible says that that's why his name is Jacob, okay? You know, the Bible also says, why should I serve your God? The Bible also says, if you're really the son of God, uh, jump down from, uh, from the, uh, the, the pinnacle up there. So the Bible says a lot of things. It depends on who's, whose mouth they're coming out of, okay? You, we need to get that, all right? So, uh, very interestingly... Uh, Let's see, where do we read? Now, I'm jumping a little bit ahead here about this word uh, supplanter. That um, It's in chapter 27. Okay, chapter 27 in verse 36. Yeah, let's go back to verse uh, 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, uh, bless me even... Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. That's out of the words of Isaac. Okay? Then he said, this is now uh, Esau speaking, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, he has now taken away my blessing. We need to stop there. So Esau is the one saying that Isaac is a deceiver. Isaac supplanted me. Isaac or, um, uh, Jacob, Jacob uh, took my place, took away my blessing. That's what's usually said by people who reject the word of God, yet find something and twist it to make it sound like it might be right. Esau is not the victim here. Esau is one who rejects God. He rejects the faith of his father. Esau rejects the birthright. Esau wants the soup. Esau is one who goes for the moment. He goes for the sizzle and not the steak, we might say. Okay, right? Esau is like a lot of people. Esau is like a lot of people who are not interested in what is right, but is interested in what is, feels good, and, and how can I get it now? And so let's now look at the rest of this uh, story, okay? All right, now, back to chapter 25. So get it that both Jacob and Esau's names are given to them based on what it looked like when they came out, okay? Okay? It's just like as simple as that. Do you know that the etymology of Yaakov, there's a question as to what, where it actually comes from, but there are, there are many uh, scholars, a lot smarter than me, who say that it could very well be God protects me. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that, that requires you know more study and, and all of that. But uh, boy, that just tears. You know how many commentaries would go out of they would go out of print if uh, you know if they understood what's what's going on here. It's unbelievable. Okay, all right. Then uh, we see here. So when the boys grew up, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> now now they're grown up. Okay. Uh, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Already we know that something bad is going to happen here, right? You know, when you read a statement like that. And when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, okay? I, uh, for I am famished, therefore his name was called Edom. There, see? But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am about to die. So of what use then is the birthright to me? You talk about not thinking about like consequences and just this is what I want and this is what I'm going to get and I don't care what happens as long as it feels good while I'm doing it. As they say in the old country, yikes, okay? And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Now, if the passage stopped there, we could say, wow, you know, uh, maybe uh, Jacob uh, took advantage of him. But that's not the end of the story. What are the last few words? Thus, Esau despised his birthright. And that is what we're supposed to get out of this story. Esau despised the birthright. Now, the birthright, by the way, is not the covenant, like the promise to Abraham. That's not the birthright. The birthright is something that, in that culture at that time, the firstborn would get a double portion of of land, basically. Okay? Uh, And so Esau did not care about the land, Esau did not care about inheritance. Esau did not care uh, about what was important to his father and to his grandfather, and so uh, he sells the birthright. Now, you know, what's interesting is, is I'm not the only person uh, who notices this, of course. Thus, Esau despised his birthright that we're learning about, about these negative things about Esau, and by the way, Everything we read in the Bible about Esau is negative. And everything God says about Jacob actually is positive. Isn't that interesting? Okay. In the book of Hebrews, we read about uh, Jacob in chapter 12, or about Esau in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 15, 16, and 17. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there may be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it with tears. So the writer of the book of Hebrews kind of agrees that Esau was a godless and immoral person. Okay, not the victim of Jacob's deceit and deception. Okay, very, very important. All right, uh, so moving right along here. Uh, so what does this mean? Well, uh, you know, there's actually a biblical, in, in the prophets, the prophet Hosea actually gives us an interesting way of looking at, at all of this. okay. If you go to the prophet Hosea in the 12th chapter, this helps us to understand what we get out of this passage, other than understanding Jacob and Esau in, in the right frame, <laughs> okay? But there's something very, very important for us to learn about this, about the birth of the boys, and then about the, uh, the issue of the birthright, all right, because this is the beginning. ...of a long journey with Jacob and Esau... Uh, ...where there's more difficulty... ...and there's more struggle... And, uh, ...and then in Jacob's life... ...Jacob's life becomes one of struggle... Uh, ...and so here in uh, Hosea chapter 12... ...very interestingly... ...in the beginning it says... ...Ephraim feeds on wind... ...and pursues the east wind continually... ...he multiplies lies and violence... Moreover, he makes a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried to Egypt. I can't help but tell you what that means, even though it's not really what... You know what that means when it says that Ephraim feeds on wind and pursues the east wind continually. He multiplies flies and violence. He makes a covenant with Assyria, and, and oil is carried to Egypt. He tries to control what's, what, what's not controllable. That's what he's doing. That's what Ephraim is trying to do. By making a covenant with Assyria and Egypt... It's out of he's out of Ephraim no longer is in control. Just like trying to chase the wind, you can't control the wind. So, wow, what a great lesson that is. Okay, Uh, in chapter in verse two, the Lord also has a dispute with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. Now here, Jacob of course is a, a euphemism for Judah. It's a name of Judah, the descendants of of Jacob. Okay. He will repay him according to his deeds. Now in verse 3, In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name. Then in verse 6, Therefore, return to your God. And then observe kindness and justice and wait for your God continually. Now, the first, at first glance, we might say, no, well, look, see, what God is doing is comparing. He's saying you're just like Jacob, you know, uh, in, your, in your sin. You're just like Jacob. But a little closer look, I think, tells us that you're not acting like Jacob. Jacob, okay, took his brother by the heel. Jacob struggled with his brother for the blessing, one might say. He struggled with his brother. In his maturity, he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel. Now, what's important about that? That's where his name is changed to Yisrael. He struggles with God. Okay, what Hosea is telling us is that you're not like your father, Jacob, who struggled with God, did not go after foreign gods, did not run away, but struggled with God. And Jacob's life, this is why Jacob is like all of us, he struggled with God his whole life. He was a blessed man. God gave him tremendous promises, but the circumstances of his life caused him to struggle and that is why we are indeed uh, like uh, Jacob how important this is for us uh, uh, to understand His, uh, his circumstances seem to go against the blessing right but because of his desire for blessing he suffered sometimes at his own doing but always doing it for what was right We are the same way. You see, the story of Jacob is a little like... it. You don't have, um, in some respects, it doesn't all tidy... You don't have a tidy little answer to everything Jacob does. But he loves God so much that even when he messes up somewhat, it's for the purpose of blessing. And God never condemns him for that. It is amazing. You know that in what's coming, right? Uh, where Rebecca tells him to put on the clothes and and pretend to be like Isaac, he's never condemned for it. It's 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 you know it's it's a mystery in a certain respect. Okay, but the point is is that he struggles. And what is also very interesting is that um, you know in Hebrew, when it says here he can in, in in verse three uh, of Hosea chapter twelve, in the womb he took his brother by the heel. And in his maturity, he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel. Well, contended and wrestled is the same word in Hebrew. It comes from the word Sarah, but not Sarah, Sarah. It's a different Sarah. And it means to struggle, okay? To contend. And Yisrael, Yisrael, he struggled with God. That is the name. Isn't that amazing that when God gives Jacob the new name, you know, uh, it's not Judah, You know, it's not uh, you are are a praiser of God or uh, God loves you or uh, no, Uh, he contends with God. And that has been the history uh, of of Israel uh, from uh, centuries past uh, uh, to this day. But think about the godly people uh, that you know of from the scriptures who did not struggle. Think of the prophets. They certainly struggled. Think of Yeshua himself. He struggled. He did not have an easy life. He was misunderstood. Uh, you know, He was falsely accused and murdered. Right? Uh, think of the, uh, the, uh, the apostles. When you read the early chapter of the book of Acts, you read about martyrs, you read about people being thrown in prison. It was a struggle. Because we struggle does not mean that the hand of God is, is not on us. I would suggest the opposite, that when we struggle, we struggle with lots of things. Some of us uh, uh, struggle with things like sharing the gospel. Others of us struggle with our own lives and where we've been and where we're going and and, and how do I move forward in life life and, and a million other things. Do not become disheartened. Recognize that you are like Jacob. The name Israel means to struggle. Struggle with God, and that's what Hosea is saying. You need to struggle with God and not go after other gods. Some might say, you know, my life would be a lot simpler and easier if I just gave up the whole thing, right? If I gave up the whole thing and I just went with the wind, you know and and uh, live in just a life of uh, hedonistic enjoyment. Uh, or um, uh, just uh, not uh, stood up for the Lord, my life might be a lot easier, see? But a blessed life, ready, is not an easy life, right? A blessed life is one in relationship with God, come what may. And so how important is it for us to understand that Jacob is our hero in all of this? He, sometimes he's between a rock and a hard place, He's between uh, his mother and his father. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he has to go to a foreign country uh, for a long time. Uh, he ends up having to stay there for a really long time for the woman that he loves and, and all of that. Uh, he has a difficult life, but he has indeed a blessed life. Uh, and so, for us, uh, you know, our uh, takeaway is, that if we really want the blessing of God, it's a struggle, okay? There's no, no doubt about it. We live in a world that is a difficult place to live, right? It's not for the faint of heart living in this world, okay? Uh, there are real struggles. But you see, we have the Ruach, we have the, the, the Spirit of God who lives within us, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and so even if we have a setback, you know, even if we have a setback, okay, I got a setback, but now I'm going forward. You know that, uh, you know, three steps forward, two steps back, or whatever kind of math you want to use in that, right? You know what I mean, right? As long as we keep going forward. Look at Jacob. He had some setbacks, but keep moving forward. And, and uh, look what happened to him. He ended up having all those children. And then, yes, he thought that his son Joseph was dead, but he wasn't dead. Uh, and then he gets to see his grandchildren and bless them right and and live in Goshen for the rest of his life and uh and uh and you know, so God indeed does uh bless him. And so, you know, be encouraged that if you are struggling, I know that some places you won't hear this. If you're struggling, it must be Satan. We give him way too much credit. Okay? No, if you're struggling, I would suggest that God is at work in your life. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you something. When I became a believer, in Yeshua, I'm I'm very blessed. I come from a wonderful family. I had a wonderful mother and father. No brothers and sisters, but lots of cousins and aunts and uncles and close to everybody. And you know, and I was spared uh, the uh, the drug culture of the day and all that. And 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 everything was pretty. Good. I was in college, go you know, and everything real. I had no, It was like a smooth road. And then I became a believer. And then suddenly, I got to work on this, and I, and 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 I'm, you know, deficient in this part of my life, and uh, and now I, I got pride issues. You know, it was like before I was a believer, I didn't have any of these issues. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now, and now I do. Right? What's wrong? And you know, uh, because I was I was young, I was 19 years old. I, I had uh, more temptations and more difficulty after I became a believer than before simply because of my life. I didn't have any real life experiences when I was not, by the time I was 19. I came to know the Lord after my freshman year of college. I had some, but not nearly what I had in my sophomore year and junior year and senior year and, and then just living life and all of that, uh, you, you know? And, and so uh, we should never get the idea that, that, uh, that the struggle is, is, is bad, the struggle means God is at work. And that's where strength comes, is through the struggle, you see. And that's where victory comes, that our joy in the Lord and our power from God is not based on our circumstances or even what we may be thinking, because maybe we're thinking not right things that are not true. And so we always have to check our emotions and all that at the door and say, what is true and what is Right. And this is what Paul did, because he says, and we'll close with this today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, some great verses. 2 Corinthians was one of the last letters that he wrote, and it was very personal, very much from the heart, and this is what he said. Uh, Let's begin in verse 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Messiah. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that which lives within us, okay? We have in earthen vessels, uh, in our bodies, our bodies, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves, meaning that we're weak in ourselves, right? But, but inside of us is the light, is, is God, is is the power of God. And then here you go. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed. You know what perplexed means? I once heard someone give a message uh, on this, and they use the illustration. And, and you know, living in upst- being from upstate New York, I can tell you this. Uh, you know what a whiteout is? When you're driving down the road and suddenly it's all white in all four directions. You, ca- you immediately have a difficult time with your sense of direction. Like, am I going straight on the road, or am I going in the other lane? It's scary, very difficult, right? Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Yeshua, that the life of Yeshua may be manifest in our body. Who said the struggle is not not of God or godly or produces fruit? That is what this. if, If you are if you are afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, don't despair. You're not forsaken. You're not destroyed. You're not crushed. You are demonstrating Yeshua's life in the struggle. It may not feel that way, but it is. Let us never forget that the struggle of Jacob was a godly struggle. God loved him in that struggle. God loves us in the struggle. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, that you're at work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we are always in the process of becoming. And Lord, thank you, God, that the future of Edom, while an enemy of Israel, has actually a hope. For we read in the prophet Amos, in that day, I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. And I will also raise up its ruin and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Lord, thank you, God, that in your, uh, you know, that in your plan and in your will, there's even a future for a remnant from Edom. Lord, so we thank you, God, that there is an ultimate reconciliation of uh, Edom and uh, Israel. Lord, and thank you, God, that there is an ultimate reconciliation, uh, even in our own selves, in our own lives, Lord, in our own struggle. Lord God, thank you, Lord, that we know that we have a living hope, and that even if we struggle, and even if we continue to struggle, may we continue to wrestle with you. May we continue to struggle with you knowing, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You never give up on us time and time again. Lord, you never gave up on Jacob. You never give up on us. May we be encouraged and realize that there is a great future indeed that awaits us. And Lord, I pray God for each of us here today, if we're struggling, that you would continually move us forward and give us victory. Give us victory to keep moving forward, Lord. And may our focus always be on you. Lord, may we remove every encumbrance, may we remove every sin that gets in the way, Lord, of moving forward and keeping our eyes fixed on Yeshua. Lord, we pray in Messiah's name, amen.